Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I recently saw reported that the Biden administration is meeting privately behind the scenes with journalists to change the coverage it is getting on the supply chain crisis and other economic woes that have been a serious issue for Biden as his approval ratings continue to plummet. CNN's media newsletter reported the White House not happy with the news media's coverage of the supply chain and economy and has been working behind the scenes trying to reshape coverage in its favor. Senior White House and administration officials have been briefing major newsrooms over the past week. The officials have been discussing with newsrooms trends pertaining to job creation, economic growth, supply chains, and more. The basic argument that has been made is that the country's economy is in much better shape than it was last year. I'm told the conversations have been productive with anchors and reporters and producers getting to talk with these officials. So what is happening is the White House wants to give the willing media their talking points so that they meet with them in secret and tell them what to say. Now, you know what that's called? That's called propaganda. <laughs> but it is just one of many attacks on free speech. It wasn't long ago that a whistleblower came out from Facebook. She gave interviews and made claims that the social media company was allowing hate speech, even though it was an interesting look into how social media companies censor posts on their websites. There was something that was disturbing about it. The whistleblower was not motivated by the fact that Facebook was attacking free speech. She was upset that Facebook was allowing what she thought to be hate speech. She wanted Facebook to censor more content, not less. She, she thought this social media company was promoting hate by not taking down posts that she saw as hateful. Well, this highlights something that has been really bothering me for a while now, and that is the rise of the term hate speech. I am a huge believer in our God-given right to free speech. There was a reason that our founding fathers made it one of the most important tenets of our Constitution. Communication is vital to having a free society. On the other side of the coin, the Bible talks about being loving and, and putting away of, of course talk. So how do we as Christians rectify these two things? Well, townhall.com says this, and, and I really like this. It says, any serious discussion of hate speech laws should start with a consideration of George Orwell's prophetic look into the future. Specifically, 
the book 1984. One of my favorite books. If you have not read the book 1984 by George Orwell, you need to do so. And you need to do so right away. And in, and it might be even a little bit scary in light of what we have seen in our society over the last couple of years. If, you, if, if you're not a reader, there's also a movie about it and, it, and it pretty much goes along the same lines. But you need to, to, uh, to see, to either read or watch this thing and really see some of the, the, the poignant topics that Orwell brings up. Recall uh, in, in this book, if you've, if you've read it, that Orwell, he, he talks about Big Brother and how Big Brother sought to control not only all thoughts, but also the language used to form the thoughts. And to that end, he created the language of newspeak, described as the only language in the world whose vocabulary gets smaller every year. (laughs) As we keep taking words out that you can't speak. Uh, In a separate essay, actually, Orwell explained that newspeak, or newspeak, however you want to call it, is closely based on English, but has a greatly reduced and simplified vocabulary and grammar. In the book, this this suits the totalitarian regime of, of the party, whose aim is to make any alternative thinking a thought crime, or in the language of Newspeak, a crime think. The language of Newspeak promotes any words, uh, or actually removes any words, or possible word constructs which describe the ideas of independent thinking, freedom, rebellion, disagreement, or unapproved values. Does that ring a bell with anybody today? (laughs) The underlying intent of Newspeak, of course, is that if something can't be said because the words have been decriminalized, banned, or no longer exist, then it is hugely more difficult to think, which is what they don't want you to do, right? There are many lessons to be drawn from Orwell here. Uh, Law itself represents society's standard of conduct, defining acceptable from unacceptable behavior. The, The end goal of any criminal law is the elimination of certain specified behavior. If if this is the case, and we know it is, what can we make of a law that bans the mere utterance of certain words? For those comfortable with this, the ever-expanding use of hate speech laws is no cause for alarm. But let me propose a few questions. Having opened the Pandora's box of hate speech laws, and in light of the endless supply of unwanted, stupid, and obnoxious ideas and speech, why not expand these laws to eliminate any speech the state deems bad for society? Having legitimized the banning of certain dangerous or harmful words, we're where where do we go as a society and where do we stop? Orwell once famously said, quote, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. <laughs> Let me repeat that for you one more time. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people 
what they do not want to hear. This sentence, I think, sums up the essence of free speech. And in a truly free society, he and others believed that without the freedom to offend, free speech and free thoughts cannot exist. Ideas are indeed sometimes dangerous things, especially ideas that seek to challenge or even change the current status quo or existing orthodoxy. Indeed, is is there really any point in having certain protections for freedom of speech if there is only freedom to express the most popular or current political correctness ideas or opinions? The, the, the punishing of speech and the expression of certain offensive ideas is a classic slippery slope. I mean, it is definitely a slippery slope. It starts so disarmingly with baby steps, kind of like sin, right? Then gradually gains speed and in time gives birth to a society where free speech is no longer free and people whisper words that they believe are true for fear of punishment or retaliation. I suggest that unless strong voices are heard and heard loudly, we may very well usher in a new era of state-enforced censorship and darkness. So what is hate speech? And legally, what can we say or not say in this country? Well, from Reason.com, here are uh, three rules that you should know about hate speech and the First Amendment. Rule number one, the First Amendment protects all ideas, loving, hateful, or in between. <laughs> in the United States, hate speech is just a, a, a political label, like un-American speech, for instance, or rude speech. Some people use the phrase broadly, uh, some more narrowly, but there's, there's no legal definition because there is no hate speech exemption in the First Amendment. <laughs> so it's not in the Constitution. You're not going to find it. As the Supreme Court held in, in 1974, quote, under the First Amendment, there is no such thing as a false idea. However pernicious an opinion may seem, we depend for its correction, not on the consequence of judges and juries, but on the competition of other ideas. That was an actual quote from a Supreme Court judge. And it it was a quote in the case of, of uh, uh, Gertz versus Robert Welsh back in 1974. Now, if you want something a little bit more current, how about uh, 2017? Quote, the proudest boast of our free speech jurisprudence is that we protect the freedom to express the thought that we hate. Now, that was a quote from just a few years ago. That's from uh, Matal versus Tam, in which the, the government denied a trademark to an Asian American band because the band's name, The Slants, was seen by some as a racial slur. The government wasn't even trying to ban the name. It, it was just denying a general 
available benefit, the trademark registration, for instance, to people who use the name. But even that, the court concluded, was unconstitutional viewpoint discrimination, and and this violated the First Amendment. So, okay, rule number two, some speech is not protected by the First Amendment, but that's true regardless of whether it's bigoted or hateful. For instance, threats of violence are constitutionally uh, unprotected. That 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 includes all threats, racist threats, threats to police officers, threats to um, business owners, threats to the president, anyone. Likewise, um, intentionally inciting immediate violence is sometimes punishable. A classic example of that would be giving a speech to a mob outside of a building, urging them to burn it down. Um, but again, it doesn't matter if the speech is outside a synagogue or a police station or a recycling center for that matter. Personal insults said to someone's face might also be punishable as so-called fighting words is how they put it. Again, though, that's that's true regardless of whether the insult stems from personal hostility or group hatred related to race, religion, or the like. Indeed, in 1992, the Supreme Court struck down an ordinance that specifically targeted bigoted fighting words. Such an ordinance, the Supreme Court said, uh, unconstitutionally discriminates against particular viewpoints. All right, so how about rule number three? Hate Hate crime laws are constitutional so long as they punish violence or vandalism, not speech. And there's the rub. The classic example of this is Wisconsin versus Mitchell, the 1993 case in which the Supreme Court unanimously upheld hate crime laws. Todd Mitchell, a young black man, urged some friends to beat up a white boy because the boy was white. Now, Wisconsin law made the beating into a more serious crime because the boy was targeted based on his race. The court said that this is is fine because a physical assault is not, by any stretch of the imagination, expressive conduct protected by the First Amendment. And while the law increased the punishment because of the defendant's intent, the law often punishes people more because of why they did what they did. Um, Killing someone for money will get you a harsher punishment than killing them out of just a momentary anger. Um, Likewise, firing an employee because his race will get you a civil lawsuit. Firing an employee for most other reasons won't. So none of this covers the more expressive or hateful ideas or the use of words that we see as hateful. Those are indeed generally protected by the First Amendment. But why? The justices generally agree that racist ideas, for instance, are are wrong and, and dangerous. Why would the justices then say hate speech is constitutionally protected? Well, it's because they don't trust the government officials to decide which ideas are wrong and dangerous. Does that, does that make sense? The courts understand that you cannot 
have hate speech as constitutionally protected because they don't trust the government and they don't trust those officials to decide which ideas are wrong and dangerous. Because if you're going to make them illegal, then you've got to be able to say, this is what's illegal. These words are those that are hate speech or classified under that category. They worry that if government officials had the power to ban evil ideas, that power would quickly stretch to punishing a wide range of debate and dissent. And they see the First Amendment as requiring that distrust. So in the words of Justice Black, which echoed back by the the Supreme Court of, of 1972, says, quote, the freedoms guaranteed by the First Amendment must be accorded to the ideas we hate, or sooner or later, they will be denied to the ideas we cherish. And that's that's a very wise quote. And that goes back to a case Healy versus James in 1972. So so even if certain words or ideas are evil, wrong, or dangerous, people have to be given the freedom to express them, or we don't have freedom at all. And we have only propaganda delivered by those that are in power. Now, we can see definitely examples of this. Uh, Joy Pullman, who uh, writes for thefederalist.com, said that uh, Juhana uh, Polala has ministered to uh, congregations as small as 30. He has spent his life building a network of faithful churches across Finland, many of which started with a few people gathered for prayer or gathered for Bible study, hymn singing, and, and, and communion. And this is the man who appears to be the first in the post-Soviet West to be brought up on criminal charges for preaching the Christian message as it has been established for thousands of years. Also charged in the case that goes on trial uh, on January 24th is uh, Pohana's uh, fellow Lutheran and Finnish member of parliament. And his last name is Rasinen. Now, Rasinen alleged crimes in, in a country that claims to guarantee freedom of speech and religion includes tweeting a picture of a, of a Bible verse. How many of you have done that? He tweeted a picture of a Bible verse. And potential penalties, if they are convicted, include fines of up to two years in prison. Now, Rasidin and Polola are being charged with hate speech for respectively writing and publishing 24 pages of a 2004 booklet that explains basic Christian theology. So they wanted to put together this, this booklet of just basic Christian theology. And, and, and specifically in, in terms of uh, about sex and marriage, which uh, reserves sex exclusively for within marriage, which can only consist of one man and one woman for life. Uh, the Finnish uh, prosecutor claims centuries-old Christian teachings about sex uh, incite hatred and violate legal preferences for government 
privileged identity groups, is what they said. In advance of the trial, uh, Rasanen and Pahola uh, have been uh, interrogated by police for hours about their theology. Uh, the pastor told uh, the, um, the the interviewer uh, in an interview that uh, the interrogation uh, that the police uh, gave him um, was was just terrible, and that they treated uh, the Christian beliefs as thought crimes. In a statement, Rassanen noted that the police publicly admitted their interpretation of Finland's laws would make publishing the Bible a hate crime. Quote, it is impossible for me to think that the classical Christian views and the doctrine of the majority of denominations would become illegal. The question here is about the core of the Christian faith, how a person gets saved into unity with God and into everlasting life through the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus. Therefore, it is crucial to also talk about the nature of sin. And this is what Rasmussen is saying. As we are living in a democratic country, we must be able to disagree and express our disagreement. We have to be able to cope with speech that we feel insults our feelings. Many questions are so debatable and contradictory that we have to have the possibility of discussion. Otherwise, the development is towards a totalitarian system with only one correct view. He is completely on point here. This is and, and, and this is not an, an isolated incident. From heritage.org says German citizens, for instance, who disagree with the nation's immigration policy have been intimidated, investigated, arrested, and fined for speech allegedly, quote, capable of inciting hatred and um, uh, hatred of, of human dignity of others. In 2019, an elected Belgian politician who publicly criticized his nation's immigration and assimilation policies was officially banned from holding public office for 10 years because his speech allegedly led to, get this, quote, feelings of disgust, rejection, or even hatred toward foreigners, unquote. Wow. In France, Marine Le Pen, the 2017 president uh, election, she was a presidential uh, election runner-up and head of the majority, uh, uh, really a major political party, uh, in an attempt to alert the public to the brutality of the Islamic State, posted pictures of its crimes on her Twitter account. She was charged with violating the dignity of presumably French Muslims. French law carries a penalty of up to three years in prison and $90,000 fine. Now, in the ongoing investigation, courts ordered Le Pen to undergo psychiatric evaluations to determine whether she suffers from mental illness and whether her mental state is, is a threat to public safety. <laughs> 
In in uh, 2011, for example, a woman was convicted by the Australian government for saying, uh, in a private seminar, this is a private seminar that that Muhammad's marriage to uh, Aisha was an act of pedophilia because, of course, there was a quite an age difference. Muhammad was 56 years old at the time of his marriage, while she was six years old. Ironically, these claims are established by Muslim sources. I mean, Muslims will tell you this is the case. But because this person said this in a private seminar, well, they're in trouble. The speaker was convicted by a Vienna court for disparaging religious doctrines in a manner capable of provoking justified indignation even though there was no actual victim in the case. On appeal, the Australian Supreme Court ruled that the speaker's statements were value judgments, or statements of opinion, which apparently are not justifiable forms of speech when discussing protected groups. Now, After another appeal, the conviction was upheld by the European Court of Human Rights, which ruled that the statements were capable of, quote, harming the feelings of the followers of that religion, unquote, and therefore not subject to legal protection. Did you hear what they ruled? They ruled that these statements were capable of harming the feelings of the followers of that religion. The European court's rulings additionally noted the need to forbid such speech to prevent violent Muslim riots. In other words, the threat of rebellion and violence rather than the truth of a statement and and the freedom of the mind come to set the standard of law. And, And those aren't the only things. American big tech companies, Google, Twitter, and Facebook largely intimidate the, the premise of, 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 uh, of free speech. They, 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 um, they look to the European model of hate speech laws. And, and they are currently in the midst of expanding restrictions. A leak, uh, it, it, there, there was a leak at Google, a leaked uh, internal memo. And it shows that the company's skeptical view of free speech, comparing the, the American tradition to the European tradition. America prioritizes, they say, quote, free speech for democracy, not civility. While the European tradition favors dignity over liberty and civility over freedom. The memo states Google support for the European tradition and argues that all tech platforms will move in that direction eventually. Now, many well-meaning, decent Americans do not yet clearly see the underlying goals or the political implications of hate speech laws. They should first recall that America's laws already ban incitement. And, uh, and, and, and if, if they incense violence of any kind, they already protect citizens against individual defa- uh, de- defamation. So if somebody uh, says something that is completely not true and, and defames you, you can sue them. Perhaps even more powerfully, the law of opinion already opposes 
hatred and 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 contempt for protecting protected groups in in the public square there is thus no need for hate speech laws if we allow hate speech to trump free speech we will have no meaningful speech at all we may not like what other people say we may get our feelings hurt when listening to others ideas we may become angry or concerned by the views of others but that does not mean that we should censor or criminalize that speech the famous quote comes to mind i disapprove of what you say but i will defend to the death your right to say it and this attitude has never been more sorely needed than today. Now, I would love to hear from you on this. You may disagree with that. You may agree with that. I would definitely love to have a discussion on that, and you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 